0: Hi, and welcome to Fido, an audio adventure into fantasy, folklore, and fairy tales. I'm John, your host, and thanks for dropping in. Welcome back! Now, we've gone fairly far afield with some of the stories so far. If you are anything like me, Rumpelstiltskin and the Nightingale are pretty familiar, but the other stories so far have been new ground. Well, I wanted to bring you back home for an episode, so I decided to read Cinderella. At first, I wanted to read the Charles Perrault version. If you're not familiar with him, you can think of him as one of the people who helped make the modern fairy tale genre happen. His work predates the Brothers Grimm by more than a century, and so I thought the older one would be better. I did record that version, but I decided not to use it in the episode. I'll probably release it as a bonus, but without all of the commentary. That'll be a little something extra to watch for. The reason I decided not to use it, and instead to use the version written down by the Brothers Grimm, is because the Perrault version was so much like the Disney version, and I wanted to bring you something a little different, even as I'm bringing you something familiar. Don't get me wrong, it's not that I wanted to distance myself from the Disney version. Disney gets a lot of criticism, I think, for changing their fairy tales around, but I don't really agree with that criticism. The thing about fairy tales is that they do change, and often. And that's one point I'd really love to make today. These stories get changed, adjusted, added to, subtracted from. It happens so often throughout history that to come down on Disney for it really doesn't take the genre into account. They, just like the people who have told these stories for millennia, tell it to a particular audience for a particular effect. And so it's fine, they can change it to achieve the desired tone or the desired outcome, and that's their prerogative. Anyway, the version I'm reading today is a touch darker, and it's different in a fundamental way that I think makes it more interesting. We'll talk more about it after you hear it, but for now, as published in Grimm's Fairy Stories in 1922, Cinderella. The wife of a rich man fell sick, and when she felt that her end drew nigh, she called her only daughter to her bedside and said, Always be a good girl, and I will look down from heaven and watch over you. Soon afterwards she shut her eyes and died, and was buried in the garden. And the little girl went every day to her grave and wept, and was always good and kind to all about her, and the snow spread a beautiful white covering over the grave but by the time the sun had melted it away, her father had married another wife. This new wife had two daughters of her own. They were fair in face, but foul at heart, and it was now a sorry time for the poor little girl. "'What does the good-for-nothing thing want in the parlour? said they, and they took away her fine clothes, and gave her an old frock to put on, and laughed at her and turned her into the kitchen. Then she was forced to do hard work, to rise early before daylight, to bring the water, to make the fire, to cook, and to wash. She had no bed to lie down on, but was made to lie by the hearth among the ashes, and they called her Cinderella. It happened once that her father was going to the fair, and asked his wife's daughters what he should bring to them. "'Fine clothes,' said the first. "'Pearls and diamonds,' said the second. "'Now, child,' he said to his own daughter, what will you have? The first sprig, dear father, that rubs against your hat on your way home, said she. Then he bought for the two first the fine clothes and pearls and diamonds they had asked for, and on his way home he rode through a green copse. A sprig of hazel brushed against him, so he broke it off, and when he got home he gave it to his daughter. Then she took it and went to her mother's grave and planted it there, and cried so much that it was watered with her tears. And there it grew and became a fine tree, and soon a little bird came, and built its nest upon the tree, and talked with her, and watched over her, and brought her whatever she wished for. Now it happened that the king of the land held a feast which was to last three days, and out of those who came to it his son was to choose a bride for himself, and Cinderella's two sisters were asked to come. So they called Cinderella and said, "'Now comb our hair, brush our shoes, and tie our sashes for us, for we are going to dance at the king's feast.' Then she did as she was told, but when all was done she could not help crying, for she thought to herself she would have liked to go to the dance, too, and at last she begged her mother very hard to let her go. "'You—Cinderella,' said she, "'you who have nothing to wear, no clothes at all, and who cannot even dance, you want to go to the ball?' And when she kept on begging to get rid of her, she said at last, "'I will throw this basin full of peas into the ash heap, and if you have picked them all out in two hours' time, you shall go to the feast, too.' Then she threw the peas into the ashes, but the little maiden ran out at the back door into the garden and cried out, "'Hither, thither, through the sky, turtle-doves and linnets fly, blackbird, thrush, and chaffinch-gay, hither, thither, haste away!' One and all, come, help me quick, haste ye, haste ye, pick, pick, pick. Then first came two white doves, and next two turtle doves, and after them all the little birds under heaven came, and the little doves stooped their heads down, and set to work, pick, pick, pick. And then the others began to pick, 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 and picked out all the good grain and put it into a dish, and left the ashes. At the end of one hour the work was done and all flew out again at the windows. Then she brought the dish to her mother. But the mother said, "'No, no, indeed you have no clothes and cannot dance. You shall not go.' And when Cinderella begged very hard to go, she said, "'If you can, in one hour's time, pick two of these dishes of peas out of the ashes. You shall go, too.' So she shook two dishes of peas into the ashes, but the little maid went out into the garden at the back of the house and called as before, and all the birds came flying.' And in half an hour's time, all was done, and out they flew again. And then Cinderella took the dishes to her mother, rejoicing, to think that she should now go to the ball, but her mother said, It is all of no use, you cannot go, you have no clothes, you cannot dance, and you would only put us to shame. And off she went with her two daughters to the feast. Now when all were gone and nobody left at home, Cinderella went sorrowfully, and sat down under the hazel tree and cried out, "'Shake, shake, hazel-tree, gold and silver over me.' Then her friend the bird flew out of the tree and brought a gold and silver dress for her and slippers of spangled silk, and she put them on and followed her sisters to the feast. But they did not know her. She looked so fine and beautiful in her rich clothes. The king's son soon came up to her and took her by the hand and danced with her and no one else, and he never left her hand. BUT WHEN ANYONE ELSE CAME TO ASK HER TO DANCE, HE SAID, THIS LADY IS DANCING WITH ME. THUS THEY DANCED TILL A LATE HOUR OF THE NIGHT, AND THEN SHE WANTED TO GO HOME, AND THE KING'S SON SAID, I SHALL GO AND TAKE CARE OF YOU TO YOUR HOME, FOR HE WANTED TO SEE WHERE THE BEAUTIFUL MAID LIVED. BUT SHE SLIPPED AWAY FROM HIM unawares AND RAN OFF TOWARDS HOME, AND THE PRINCE FOLLOWED HER. Then she jumped up into the pigeon-house and shut the door, so he waited till her father came home, and told him that the unknown maiden who had been at the feast had hidden herself in the pigeon-house, but when they had broken open the door they found no one within, and as they came back into the house, Cinderella lay, as she always did, in her dirty frock by the ashes— For she had run as quickly as she could through the pigeon-house, and on to the hazel-tree, and had there taken off her beautiful clothes and laid them beneath the tree, that the bird might carry them away, and had seated herself amid the ashes again in her little old frock. The next day, when the feast was again held, and her father, mother, and sisters were gone, Cinderella went to the hazel-tree, and all happened as the evening before. The king's son, who was waiting for her, took her by the hand and danced with her, and— When anyone asked her to dance, he said, as before, "'This lady is dancing with me.' When night came, she wanted to go home, and the king's son went with her, but she sprang away from him all at once into the garden behind her father's house. In this garden stood a fine, large pear tree, and Cinderella jumped up into it without being seen. Then the king's son waited till her father came home and said to him, "'The unknown lady has slipped away, and I think she must have sprung into the pear tree.' The father ordered an axe to be brought, and they cut down the tree, but found no one upon it. And when they came back into the kitchen, there lay Cinderella in the ashes as usual, for she had slipped down on the other side of the tree and carried her beautiful clothes back to the bird at the hazel tree, and then put on her little old frock. The third day, when her father and mother and sisters were gone, she went again into the garden and said, Shake, shake, hazel tree, gold and silver over me. Then her kind friend the bird brought a dress still finer than the former one, and slippers which were all of gold, and the king's son danced with her alone, and when anyone else asked her to dance, he said, "'This lady is my partner.' Now when night came she wanted to go home, and the king's son would go with her, but she managed to slip away from him, though in such a hurry that she dropped her left golden slipper upon the stairs." So the prince took the shoe and went the next day to the king, his father, and said, I will take for my wife the lady that this golden shoe fits. Then both the sisters were overjoyed to hear this, for they had beautiful feet and had no doubt that they could wear the golden slipper. The eldest went first into the room where the slipper was and wanted to try it on, and the mother stood by, but her big toe would not go into it, and the shoe was altogether much too small for her. Then the mother said, "'Never mind. Cut it off. When you are queen, you will not care about toes. You will not want to go on foot.' So the silly girl cut off her big toe and squeezed the shoe on and went to the king's son. Then he took her for his bride and rode away with her. But on their way home they had to pass by the hazel tree that Cinderella had planted, and there sat a little dove on the branch singing, "'Back again, back again. Look to the shoe. The shoe is too small and not made for you.' "'Prince, prince, look again for thy bride, for she's not the true one that sits by thy side.' Then the prince looked at her foot and saw by the blood that streamed from it what a trick she had played him. So he brought the false bride back to her home and said, "'This is not the right bride. Let the other sister try and put on the slipper.' Then she went into the room and got her foot into the shoe, all but the heel, which was too large.' But her mother squeezed it in until the blood came, and took her to the king's son, and he rode away with her. But when they came to the hazel tree, the little doves sat there still and sang as before. Then the king's son looked down, and saw that the blood streamed from the shoe. So he brought her back again also. This is not the true bride, he said to the father. Have you no other daughters? Then Cinderella came, and she took her clumsy shoe off, and put on the golden slipper, and it fitted as if it had been made for her. And when he drew near and looked at her face, the prince knew her, and said, This is the right bride. Then he took Cinderella on his horse and rode away. And when they came to the hazel tree, the white dove sang, Prince, prince, take home thy bride, for she is the true one that sits by thy side. So, what do you think? Not exactly the mainstream rendition, is it? If you can believe it, there is a version that adds a rather gruesome demise for Cinderella's stepsisters. It involves her bird friends and a lot more gore than this one has. If you're curious, have a look. Cinderella's stepsisters certainly won't be looking at anything anytime soon. That's all I'm going to say. Now, looking into Cinderella, you'll find that this is one of the most prolific and ancient stories that can be found. It's everywhere, and it has been for thousands of years. The rags-to-riches story is one of the most common themes in fiction in general, let alone in fairy tales. And when someone succeeds against the odds and rises to greatness, we even call it a Cinderella story. So... I mentioned that this version of the story is different in a fundamental way from the Perot version. And what I mean is that Cinderella is not the helpless, ash-covered ragamuffin that we often think her to be. As far as I can tell from this version of the story, she's got some serious power. She doesn't have a fairy godmother that rescues her, but she seems to have some kind of magical ability, as well as a lot of forethought and cleverness. For lack of any other word that fits, she seems to be some kind of a druid or a witch. She uses spells, she speaks in rhyme, and she speaks to trees and birds. I mean, what would you call her? The thing is, a lot of these old fairy tales revolve around a girl, whether noble or not, in some kind of distress. Often, someone else is there to raise her status, and usually it's a prince or a benefactor that by marrying her, solves her problem. But in this version, it's almost as though Cinderella is there only because she's waiting for that sprig of hazel to grow so she can make her move. Hazel, by the way, is a hugely powerful tree in folk medicine and folklore. Uh, Having looked into it, it's, it's associated with wisdom and inspiration. Likewise, all manner of birds have meanings and symbolism and they seem to be Cinderella's most trusted friends. That's a rabbit trail for sure, but suffice it to say, there's some magic happening. Someone could, and I'm betting a lot of people have, written papers on this one little tale. Now, if you end up listening to or reading the Perot version, I think it's important to briefly point out that Cinderella in that tale is far more than a pretty face as well. In both versions, Cinderella is kind and good to those around her. It's dealt with more in the Perot version, but it's mentioned in the Grimm version as well, as you heard. The circumstances of Cinderella marrying up in status addressed a common plight for those telling and hearing these tales, and it placed women of the day in some pretty difficult situations to say the least, but in both cases... This story also deals with the fact that pretty isn't the most important quality. Wisdom, patience, kindness, and grace, among other things, are what really set Cinderella apart. To be honest, I would really love to see some blended combination of these two versions, and I much prefer a magically inclined Cinderella to a fairy godmother. I mean, when is this movie getting made? If it's out there, somebody tell me. All right, I could go on for another hour about this one. It's a classic, and for good reason. It's just one of the most timeless fairy tales we have. But I think that about wraps up the heart of it. So watch for both the bonus track of the Perot recording, but also look for episode six to show up on Sunday, June 28th. Thanks again, everyone. Make sure and follow Fado on Facebook. And feel free to message and comment over there. And make sure you subscribe on your platform of choice. I'm on Apple, Google, and Spotify so far. Also, a quick shout out to the folks over at FictionPodcasts.com for their support. Check them out because they have all kinds of shows for you to explore. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you once upon a next time.